Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There's a supernatural dynamic that takes place. When you believe and receive the gospel, what, what's the first thing that the Bible teaches happens to you? Say it out loud. Somebody said it. Somebody whispered it. Holy Spirit comes to do what? Take up residence. He comes to live inside you. And he's not leaving. Right? He moves in. He's, the Bible says that's God's down payment that you belong to him. You're his. And the Holy Spirit moves in and he starts to go to work. What's his job? Convicting us of sin. Guiding us into all truth. Sometimes supernatural comforter. But he's there and he's at work and he's on board. What is the one gift that every believer receives when they receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? In today's message from Pastor Bill, he teaches that the Holy Spirit is the gift that's given when you receive Jesus. Jesus sends you his spirit to help convict you of sin, to comfort you, and to guide you in the ways of truth. Pastor Bill encourages you to listen to the ways of the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you closer to Jesus by staying in the Word and through prayer. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. It should have people that believe looking back saying, man, this is God, right? One of the things Jesus told his disciples, I tell you these things before they happen, that when it comes to pass, you will know that I am He. The reason I foretell the future is not so you can go, ooh, ooh but it's so you can know that God said that. Look, only God could have known that that was going to happen then. And, and I trip out now when I look at things that were foretold in Scripture that are they're, they're, they're lining up today. There are things that the Bible foretold that at, at one point in history, they were laughable things. Like the Bible said that, you know, one day, you know, there's going to be a, a, a monetary, we're going to get rid of a monetary system and there's going to be a cash society. And you're going to buy and sell with a mark on your hand. And people will read stuff like that and be like, man, Bible, that's so fairy tale That's crazy. But y'all know they're doing it. Y'all know that because of all the identity theft and all these things that they are, people are doing it now. They're doing it in Europe. They're implanting a chip the size of the rice in your hand with all your information. They're saying they're trying it out. Your dogs, how many of your dogs got a chip? They testing. Our dogs, they, they, all the systems are in place. And they're saying, you know, now I'm not saying that your dog got the mark of the beast. Nothing like that. <laughs> Don't trip. You know, that's how you find Fifi if you lose them. It's okay. Um, some people get weird and everything becomes a mark of the beast. But I'm just saying this. Right. There was a time when that was laughable. But now we're looking and saying, wow, that could actually happen. And there's a motive for it because everybody getting their identity stolen. Well, then stick it in my hand. Steal that. You know, you're going to have to take my I mean, everything being here, you can scan. They got companies now that are companies where people can volunteer to have all their information here. You walk by, scan your thing on the thing beep, and you go on inside. All your health information is on here. So if you get sick, they beep, scan you, find out, oh, he's diabetic. Oh, she has this condition, whatever. They're doing it, y'all. So it's not laughable now. Now people have to look at it and be like, wow, well, maybe the Bible's right. Maybe, maybe you think. There was a time when it was laughable. You know, at a point in history, they said, hey, it talked about some of the wars in Revelation, how the whole world was going to see it at the same time. And the, 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 the prophets were going to come and the whole world was going to see it. And there was a day when people said, how the whole world going to see something in, in Israel at the same time? Come on. But but now satellite TV, right? The Olympics, everybody in the world see the same thing at the same time. It's not laughable no more. Oh, we're there, guys. We're there. Everything that the Bible has said would happen has happened or we can see that in the very near future it can none of it's laughable none of it is laughable that's how come we know we're at the end times it's none of it's far-fetched now none of it is beyond what we could conceive happening now and so when he says here i did these things according to the scriptures 
right? God is saying, because my people believe my word and I hold my word above my mind. I mean, God holds his word in, in such high esteem. And he's saying, look, I, I've, I've done what I've said I would do all, all down the line. I said I would die. I died. I said I would be buried. I said I'd be buried in a certain kind of tomb. And I was. I said where I'd be born. And I was. I said that I would resurrect. And I did. And we're going to get to that. But I just want us to have faith. I want us to see that because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I want you to hear the word of God. And God said, look, everything that I said I would do, I have done. I have done. And so it was foretold that he would die for us. He did. It was foretold that he would be buried. He did. And next in verse four, it says, and that he rose again the third day. And once again, it says, according to the scriptures, right? It was foretold not only would he die, but that he would rise from the grave, that he would be resurrected. And so the resurrection is really the focus of the remainder of chapter 15. Y'all know we just covered a little portion of chapter 15 today. We'll, we'll have a few studies in chapter 15 because there are a lot of really important things and details in here that we want to cover. But God said, look, I'm going to rise from the grave. I'm going to overcome death. The disciples didn't get it. He was telling them over and over again, you guys, I'm going to tear this thing down, this temple down in three days. I'll raise it back up. They thought he was talking about the actual temple. He was talking about his body, but they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They, they, they really didn't click till later on. But he had foretold of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In the rest of this chapter, we're going to learn why the resurrection is so important. And I just will tell a few things right now. Right. It's, it, it's, it's critically important for the gospel message in this. If somebody is going to tell me that I'm going to rise from the grave, it helps a whole lot when I can see that they also rose. Jesus is in his in his resurrection. It was the first fruits of everything he promised me and you. He said, look, death can't hold me. Wait, there's power. I have power over the grave. When when he rose Lazarus from the grave in John 11, what did he tell Lazarus? I am the resurrection and the life. I am right. Death has no power over me. And it, 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 the Bible says that the sting of death is taken away through, through Christ. He takes away the sting of death. Why? Because the, the Christian that believes the Bible right knows this. I don't really die. Like I'm going to live in this body for so long. And then I got this. This body will die. The Bible speaks of your body as a tent, a temporary dwelling, um, not a permanent dwelling, not a house, not a temple, but a tent. And the Bible teaches that for to be absent from the body is to be what? present with the Lord. So I, I never really stop existing. I just move locations. I one day will move out of this body and I will move into a new body, eternal, made in the heavens, right? This body was not made for eternity. And we'll, we'll cover that, that toward the end of chapter 15. We'll look at that in great detail in a couple of weeks. But this body was never intended to be here forever. This body has a shelf life. Uh, it'll live so long. It'll do so much. But there's a day in which this body will be shed. And that's going to be that. And so when Jesus says, look, I, I have power over the grave as we look at the resurrection, I become very important um, because I, I could I, one I look at Christ's resurrection. I'm like, okay, what did he do in his resurrected body? What's it going to be like? And think about it, did, did, did Jesus eat when he was resurrected? He ate fish. We you know he ate. So for you guys that are wondering, what we eat? He ate. You know um, how he got around? He just he just showed up places. He went through walls, and so it was a different kind of body. It was a, in his resurrected body. He did some things that the, the flesh, the human body, didn't do. We learn things about that. But the, the most important thing about the resurrected state is that it's forever. Um, we'll be with the Lord forever. And he is the first fruit to that. And so he said, look, I, I, I was died for you. According to the scriptures, I was buried, like the Bible says, and I rose from the grave. I overcame death and I, I, I rose above death. And, and whenever we pray with people that are getting saved, we, 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 we thank God for that, that he overcame sin. He overcame death. Uh, and Satan for us, right? How did he overcome death? In the resurrection, he overcame death. So the believers are not supposed to live in terror or fear of death. 
Now, I'm not saying that believers are supposed to have a death wish. I'm not saying that we jumping in front of trucks and hoping to die. But we shouldn't live in a terror, right? We shouldn't live like we don't know when this thing is over. For the believer, death is your entrance into the best state of eternity. My, my most troubling thing when I think about death is the people I'm going to leave behind. If, if you know, there are people that I, I, that's what I think about. I think about my wife. I think about my kids. I think about just how painful death is for human beings on the earth. So I hope that I, I hope I'll be around for the rapture and we get to, we get to skip the death thing and just go up, you know. But, you know, that's the thought. Other than that, you know, that's going to be the, heaven's going to be awesome, you know. No sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no bills, no sin nature. You'll finally be like him. When you see him, you'll be you'll know even as you are also known. I'm finally going to know it all because right now I don't. You know, put me when I get to heaven, all these questions. No, you won't. When you get to heaven, you will finally have you're going to know even as you're known. God knows you completely. You can get up there and you'll just you'll just know. Hey, that's Moses. Hey, Abraham. That's Solomon. He made it, you know, with all his wives and everything. So, I mean, we're going to know even as we're known. So it's awesome. Right. We look forward to these things. And so he says he was raised from the dead. According to the scriptures on the third, I'm sorry, he rose on the third day. I just would say it wasn't a random raising from the dead. Very specifically, right? He said that he would rise and when he would do it, three days. And that's when he did it, three days. He rose from the grave three days later, according to the scriptures. Now, if a person believes in Jesus, believes he died on the cross, but doesn't believe in the resurrection, can they be saved? It's part of the gospel. As Paul lays this out right here, Paul says, this is the, the gospel. He just told them that they he just commended the Corinthians in, in verse one that he says that this the gospel that that um, which I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand. And I was explaining what that gospel message is, that Christ died for you, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised from the grave. Now, I want you to look at something he says to the Galatian believers because they jacked up. Paul led them to Christ. They, they believed they were doing well. Paul left and some um, some people came in with another doctrine, another belief. Um, some people called them the Judaizers, but they were kind of trying to bring back a lot of the Jewish traditions and add that to the faith. And in Galatians chapter one, Paul said, starting in verse six, this verses six to eight in Galatians one, Paul said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. From him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let them or let him be accursed. And that word in the Greek, accursed, is in the Greek is anathema. And it literally means let them be damned to hell. For preaching another gospel. So another gospel, another gospel other than what? Paul said, any other gospel than the one that I preach to y'all, if somebody come preaching another gospel than that, let them be damned to hell. So another gospel other than that Jesus died, was buried, and rose. And that's what you need to receive to be saved. If you add to that, you need to be baptized. Let them be accursed. You got to speak in tongues. Let them be accursed. You got to be circumcised. Let them be accursed. You got to go through this right, that right, and those rights and these rights. Let them be a curse. You're messing up the gospel because this is why the gospel is good news. It really doesn't have the only thing you can do is receive it. The work was done by God. Right now, this doesn't mean like when a person comes to Christ, um, there's a supernatural dynamic that takes place. When you believe and receive the gospel, what, what's the first thing that the Bible teaches happens to you? Say it out loud. Somebody said it. Somebody whispered it. Holy Spirit comes to do what? Take up residence. He comes to live inside you. And he's not leaving. 
right? He moves in. He's, the Bible says that's God's down payment, that you belong to him. You're his. And the Holy Spirit moves in and he starts to go to work. What's his job? Convicting us of sin, guiding us into all truth, sometimes supernatural comforter. But he's there and he's at work and he's on board. And his work is to what we call the work of sanctification. That now that the Holy Spirit lives in, I begin to be aware of things that I'm like, man, I probably shouldn't do that. Man, I feel I feel stirred up in my heart like God wants me to do that. And God begins from the inside out, not from the outside like religion does. Religion are outside rules that people try to conform to to look a certain way. That's not what God does. God says, I move on the inside and I start because I, I work. I, I get on the inside and I start working from the inside out. And it's a legitimate work. It's a legitimate transformation. It's not religion. It's not you're not out there faking it. God is working in your heart. God, God begins to give you new desires. He moves upon you to, to both will and to do for his good pleasure. And God does that. That's what happens the moment you get saved. God comes to live inside you. He takes up residence in you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You become his and he's committed to the relationship. And when you mess up, he will convict you. God will discipline you. You're his child now. You're not, you're not separated any longer. Nothing can separate you from his love. All the rules change the moment you get saved. You could jack up really bad. How many, how many people have jacked up really bad since you've been saved? Raise your hand, right? And, and God's still, he's still committed, right? No, who does that? Only God. Only God does that, right? Most human beings have limits. You, that's, you do that to me, that's it. Cut you off forever, you know? Most human beings have a point at which that's, you, you, you cross my line right there, that's, 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 that's as far as I can go. God don't have a line like that. Some of us, so, some of us have crossed it. But, but he's so patient and merciful and gracious that we done crossed all over and he's still saying, I'm, 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 I'll take you back. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible, it, it just, I think it just, just it shows God's love, how different it is from human love better than anything else. Like I can think of the story of Hosea, uh, one of the minor prophets. And in the story of Hosea, God told the prophet Hosea, I want you to go marry a harlot. Not typically where a brother goes to look for a wife. You don't, you don't hit the block. You know, you'll be out there. So he said, I want you to go marry a harlot. And Hosea went out there. He found this lady named Gomer and he married her. And she, I think that name is ugly, you know, but anyway, it's like a harlot with, a, with Gomer, you know, but he went out and he married her and they got married and they had kids. As you start looking at the names of the kids, it was evident that there were some questions. And so one of the kids names was literally, it's not mine, not my people. So it's. There was some infidelity. I don't, you know, they, they, to name, you know, they would name their kid based on, you know, Esau, you know, Harry, Hillcatcher, not my people, that, that she was unfaithful in the marriage. And so uh, after having kids that weren't his in the marriage, it says that she went out and went back to her harlotry. So, I mean, if you married a woman that was a harlot, I mean, I gave you a chance. I took you off the block. I brought you into my house and you went back out there, had kids that wasn't mine. Now you back on the block. I'm done. Over. I should. I would have never got you in the first. We would have never even picked her in the first place. Amen. Amen. And we sure after a, after not my kid, that might have been it for most of us. <laughs> but after not my kid and you back out there doing it again. And then this is what the word of the Lord came to Hosea. And I believe it's in Hosea chapter two or, or it's the first part of chapter three. He says, go again and love a woman who is being loved by a lover. He says, I want you to go right now and get her. She's right now with someone doing that thing. Love is go, go and get her right now. And then it says this, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who go after pagan gods and love the raising cakes of pagans. And God said, that's how much I love you. 
right? I made Hosea. I poor Hosea. When you get to heaven, just give Hosea a hug. Come here, man. I don't know why he did you like that, my brother, man. That's cold, man. But he said, I mean, he used Hosea as a word picture to show us. I said, y'all don't know how much I love you? I love you so much that I picked you when you weren't really desirable. Then you were unfaithful after we were together. And, but I stayed. Then you left me to go back out to be unfaithful and I came after you. And then he had to buy her back. He had to purchase her. And then after he bought her and brought her back, he says, now he made a new covenant with her. You're going to be mine and I'm going to be yours and we're going to be together. And he was just committed. And God says, I love you guys. I, I read those things and it, those, those things melt me and they remind me of my God. There is not another God like that. The God of Islam is not like that. No other, no other religion has a God that in truth and in reality loves his people like that. Sets the Lord apart from every false deity from every would-be thing, God says, look, I'm, I'm different. I'm not, like, I'm not like all that other mess out there. I, I love my people, and I love them with a, it's a strong kind of love. And so it's that kind of love that took him to the cross for sinners, to forgive us, to save us, to receive us. It's that kind of love that even after we mess up, guys, that's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. So we, 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 I'm, I'm committed to the process. You know, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue the project. We're going to get it done. God is faithful and he's committed. So, the, so the, the three components of the gospel. He died for your sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose on the third day. Now, he goes on and I, I'm going to go through a, a, I'm go through a little bit of the, the first few verses here. Um, there, was, there had to be evidence for that. There's obviously people that disagree with you know, the gospel. Now, it's, it's, it's a historical fact that Jesus existed. It's a historical fact that he died. Even the secular historians of his day record these facts. Now, it's also a fact that he was seen alive after he was dead. And I just want to read these two things. And the focus of our study the next two weeks, we'll be looking at in depth the resurrection, why it's so important to what we believe and what we practice. But look at verse five and six. He says, and that he was seen by Cephas, um, that's another name for Peter. So, so you can, you can, you might want to note that in your Bible that, that that name Cephas is speaking of the apostle Peter. And then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And I just want to point this out. In Deuteronomy nineteen fifteen, it says, "Let everything be established by the mouth of how many? Two or three." Right. If I'm going to accuse you of something, I got to have two or three witnesses to establish a truth in a court of law today. If you got two or three people that can eyewitness you and willing to go to court and say, I saw him there, do it. You're done. You're going to be guilty. If you get 10 people to show up and say, we all saw him do whatever the thing was, you're going. If you get 500 eyewitnesses to come and say, you're done. You, you can forget about it. Right. He was seen first. He went to Cephas or Peter. I thought that was really important because what did Peter do before Christ died? Denied him. And I just want you to note that he made a special trip. I need to go encourage Peter. And he went to Peter. And uh, we know from, you know, we see that in Luke 24, 34, the disciples reported that he had gone to Peter. We get from John's account of the gospel, even the, the restorative nature of his encounter with Peter. Um, as he say, hey, you love me, you know, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my sheep. And he, re- he restored Peter to his initial calling and purpose and and put him back on the path to go do the things that God had called him to do. He didn't come back and whoop Peter. 
He didn't come back to, you know, my mind thinks if, 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 if I was Jesus and I had some disciples and Peter was a guy saying, God, I'll die with you. I'll, I'll, I'm willing to go to jail, die, whatever. And then you, you rank out and say you don't know me three times. My mind thinks I would come back and be like, for real, Peter, now what's up? You don't know me? You know, it's like that, bro. You know, like I, I would want to I want to I want to confront you. I want to correct you. But Jesus is so much better than us. Jesus showed up and said, you know what? I, I it didn't, it, Jesus didn't even make it about himself. He said, I, I know Peter probably bummed out over what he did. He even told Peter before, he's man, you're going to deny that you know me. I'm praying for you that after you've really been converted, you're going to be able to go strengthen the brother. I already know you're going to mess up, and I still love you. We good, right? You can't never mess up as a believer and shock God, right? You've never messed up, and God was like, oh, I can't believe you did that. If I knew you was going to do that, I would not have picked you, right? You can't do that. God knows every mistake I've ever made and the ones that are still future. So I've never messed up and God just been like, I, if, Bill, if I knew you was going to do that, I would not have chosen you. I'm so thankful for that, that knowing all my future flaws, he still loved me and picked me and chose me and wants me. And, and you too. He wants you and loves you and picked you and, and, and all your past, all your present, all the stuff that's even coming in the future. He still loves you. Right. What should that do for us? And we're going to close here. Um, I believe simply this. I believe for the Christian that's already received the gospel. I think every once in a while we need to be reminded of what it is, how much God loves us, what he's done. Um, it, 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 should, it should continue to be a life-changing message. It didn't just change my life the first time I heard it. It should continue to change my life. Um, what God has done for me, how much he loves me, what, what he's done, uh, what he's done for me. But also, as I look out into a world that is hurting and broken and lost, um, I got to know and you got to know this, that the biggest problem in our world is that people don't know him. That's the biggest problem in this world. There's so much going on right now, racially, socially, all sorts of stuff going on. People can get wrapped up in all sorts of things. And I'm telling you that the, 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 it boils down to this in every scenario. People don't know the Lord. On, on both sides of every issue, you got people that are going to hell and they don't know God. And I can, I can, put, I can pick up a flag like the next man and, and run with this man. That's injustice. That's wrong. They should do that. I, I, I got to stay in my lane, which is there are people that are going to hell and they need the gospel. White people, black people, gangsters, cops, innocent people that have been hurt, you know, mean people that have hurt innocent people. All the way across the board, I'm looking at people that they need Jesus and he wants them. And if I get out of pocket, if I lose my focus, I could get over here fighting a battle that nobody wins. I could, and then I, I, I'm, I'm sharing this because I can get... I'm, I can get emotional about these things. I watch them videos. I see some of the stuff that's going on. It hurts my heart. It grieves me to see some of those things. And I know I could get out of pocket. I could get in my emotions and my feelings and lose my, I have a, I have a purpose in all of this. I could lose my, my purpose and my focus. And be cautious that the world don't sway you. Because the world is shoving it. The world's like, look at it. Look at what they did. Look at what they did. On both sides of it. They want everybody, they want you to feel a certain kind of way about stuff. We need to be praying like never before. Gabe said about our prayer meeting, we need to be praying like never before. We need prayer and we need to be sharing this message like never before. And everybody needs to hear it. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't hold this message for people that, that I like. This message is for everybody. And I need to be out there sharing it like never before. That would please the Lord and that would make a difference. Do y'all believe that? Amen. So in closing... I, I got to give an opportunity. I don't know that there may be people here that are hearing the gospel and say, you know what? I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I can say I've ever received that message. I've received what God has made available. 
And if you never have, we want to invite you to, to receive it today. That the Lord loves you. He died for you. He was buried and he rose from the grave for you. And would love to forgive you your sins and receive you as one of his kids today. What do you have to do? Believe that message by faith. Receive it by faith. And God will save you. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.